All right, uh, Twitter ablaze and also all the WhatsApp voice notes on 0605842250. Keep it nice and clean. Switch that radio off and let you be audible. Then we can all listen to you. Owen Mafugela on Twitter says, SAFA's referees committee should be blamed for the continued attacks uh, by single individuals who've made it their habit uh, to make disparaging remarks about Kaiser Chiefs while dragging referees through the mud. Uh, says, mind-boggling as the mind games are pretty whack. All right, award-winning former PSL referee, that's uh, Ace Mobo. Good evening and welcome to MSW. Good evening to you, Rob, and to the listeners. It's been a while since we heard this very calm as well as educational voice. Great honor. Are we in trouble with referees in South Africa right now? What's your reading of the climate? Rob, I, I don't think we have reached uh, a stage where we can say we're in trouble. I don't think we have reached a stage where we we can ring the alarm bells and, and say uh, the performances have, have reached catastrophic proportions. No. We are able to play each match from minute one to minute 19. We are able to produce results of each match and the football league is continuing as planned i i i really don't understand why people who are involved in this beautiful game think it is okay to bring it into disrepute before we even speak about the reference rob we need to look at the brand all of us who uh, operate within the football space operate under the same brand. If it's the uh, football association of the country, it is SAFA. If it is professional football, we have the PSL with two divisions, the APSA Premiership and the Cleared Africa Championship. All of us love football and we want it to grow. We don't want sponsors to run away from football. We all have an obligation to protect the brand, especially those who are primary participants, such as managers, club owners, coaches, referees, and everyone that is a primary participant. It used to happen. Before, does it still happen now, or is the DC department shut down? Look, I think the we've, we've we've spoken about this before on various platforms. That as long as you delay dealing with things that are happening in football, uh, be it uh, players' misconduct be it uh, referees, uh, poor performances and poor decision-making. As long as you delay making your decisions, that delay has a detrimental effect on the dignity of the game. We we want to say this, Rob, and, and you and I have been in, in, in the football space for, for decades. There is no club that does not benefit from referees' wrong calls. There's none whatsoever over the course of the 30 rounds of matches. Each club benefits from wrong calls. Now, wrong calls are not only about those calls that result in goals either being scored or denied. 
there, there could very well be an innocuous wrong call in the middle of the park that results in an attack where several passes are made that result in a goal. And because in our minds we remember the 17 passes and forget about how that team gained possession in the first place because of that innocuous wrong call that took place around the center circle. We don't regard it as having contributed to that goal being scored. And yet, had a call been made, play would have been moving in the, in the opposite direction. Every club benefits. I want to use this catchphrase that everybody has been speaking about of benefit. Every single club in every single match benefits from either correct calls made by referees where they uh, get the free kick in their favor or from wrong calls made by referees where a, a, a decision is made and a free kick accrues to a team that should not be getting the free kick or a corner kick or a throw-in or even a goal for that matter. Every single club benefits. Where, where do you think this notion, and and maybe just think about it because in, in exactly 60 seconds I have to take an ad break, I'll get the answer from you after the break. Where does this notion come from now that seems to indicate that Kaiser Chiefs are the sole beneficiaries of such decisions. Uh, maybe just apply your mind quickly uh, to that. He's chatting to Ace Noble. Uh, he is on the line. He is my guest tonight, chatting all things to do with referees. And we'll talk about some of the referees that have been sanctioned because, yeah, of course they've been sanctioned. The Amazulu Chiefs game is one game in particular on the 24th of September. Uh, referees have been sanctioned for four weeks of non-appointments in the NSL matches, and so much more to discuss. Also, 060-584-2250. All right, the story behind the story centers around a refereeing. Is it a case of uh, particular mind games, or is there a real issue behind? And should we be worried? And that's why we've got on the line Andy Lesnobo, a former PSL referee and analyst who joins me on the line, Mr. Spot on. Is there a spot-on comment that will indicate and finger Kaiser Chiefs as being major beneficiaries of such misdemeanors or mishaps or mistakes or whatever you want to call it that happened on the field? Look, Rob, as I said earlier, there is no decision, whether correct or wrong, in a football game that is bigger than the other. If you benefit uh, from a wrong call and you get a free kick that doesn't uh, result in a goal, you have benefited from that wrong call. If it so happens that you uh, get a free kick from an incorrect decision by a referee and it results in a goal, it is an equal benefit as the one that accrued to the team that didn't score the goal. I don't think that uh, it is fair on on the referees. I do not think it is fair on Kaiser Chiefs as a club. I do not think it is fair on the PSL as a brand, where a perception is created that there is some concerted effort on the part of the referees to benefit a particular club. I, I think in the broader uh, football narrative, Rob, uh, Kaiser Chiefs uh, has been 
going through a really rough patch over the past couple of years, um, and then there's been a dominance by other clubs. And and the fact that in the recent uh, couple of matches they, they have been notching up wins, they're sitting atop of the table, obviously it's a big club, it's got a huge following, and and uh, there will be uh, talks of whether or not the wins were legitimate, the goals were, were legitimate, and all of that. It's part of the football narrative. But what pains me is is when what I referred to earlier as the primary participants in the game of football say things that serve nothing but to tarnish the image of the game. That pains me. Uh, people have been talking, obviously, about coaches and their utterances in post-match or in press conferences. And as I said to you, that are such monitored and is there accountability in terms of those utterances? Rob, football is played under uh, two sets of uh, regulations. Of course, on the one side, the, the one set is applied by the referees in the form of the laws of the game as promulgated uh, by IFAB. On the other side, uh, each match is played under the auspices of the organizing league, which has its own constitution, rules, and regulations. Now, when there is a lack of respect for either of the two sets, then you start having chaos. Let's deal with issues of protocol here. Can you imagine if referees were allowed to address the media after the match and they started passing judgment on decisions by coaches of whether or not to play a particular player to start with on on the starting lineup, of whether or not a player X should have been substituted in the place of player Y? Why did they play a 4-4-2 instead of a 5-3-1? Can you imagine the chaos that we would have if everybody involved in the game were to pass judgment about the role of another? I believe that coaches should stick to their lane. They should stick to coaching their players. And they should leave their referees alone. No matter how loudly they ran after the match. The decision of the referee in as far as the outcome of the match is concerned is final. There is nothing that's going to change it. But is the league applying the the correct code and applying it effectively and consistently in dealing with people that bring the game into disrepute? I don't think so. And if this matter is not dealt with now, even as it rears its ugly head again, it has the real potential to bring the, the game into disrepute and to, to bring down the brand value of the PSL. Yes, SAFA will take action against the referees. The referees will be suspended for a number of matches. They'll go down to the lower divisions. They'll be assisted by those of us who who love them and realize that uh, most of these mistakes are genuine mistakes, if not all of them, Uh, most which are cruel from the fact that we've got a very young, inexperienced team of referees that are not really blooded uh, at 
the highest level. And, and in certain uh, pressure cooker situations, they do crumble. That we must admit. Uh, it's not a fault of the coaches. It is not a fault of the club. It's, it's a systemic fault. And we've spoken about this, Rob, mm-hmm. that you have a manager who is uh, in football 100% of the time as a 9-to-5 job. You have a player who is a professional, does not do anything else except train and go and play in matches. You have a coach who is a professional, who does nothing else but coach football. All of those people are operating under the auspices of a professional league. But for 90 minutes during the most crucial time of what they have been doing during the week, in the center stands an amateur, a person who holds a nine-to-five job elsewhere who is not involved in this thing as the, the primary activity of their lives in most instances. Now, you can't then, when you sit with a, a systemic problem of that nature, want to uh, visit its uh, dire outcomes on the individual referees. It is not fair on these youngsters. It is killing their morale. And I think that the powers that be in football should then accept the fact that the level of performance that they can extract out of an amateur part-time referee mm. can never be the same as that which they could extract from a professional who worked there. On a full-time on, basis, yeah. Exactly. All right, excellent. Let, let me, we're going into referees' optional time. Uh, let me let me take a quick news break, uh, Ace. I want to wrap up with you uh, by comments that were made by Natasha Chiklis, who's referees committee chairperson. Time for news. Good evening, Rob. Uh, I think Pizzo should We'll see on Sunday. And Benny McCarthy, he mustn't he must complain about the referees. The last person who can complain about the referee because Kaiser Chiefs beat him clear. He was supposed to win a game against Kaiser Chiefs. His substitute beat him. He played against Orlando Pirates. He was supposed to win that game. His substitute beat him. The last game he played against Kaiser Chiefs, Kaiser Chiefs equalized. He's always beating himself. He don't have to blame anyone or blame the referee. Then he must, shh, he's still new in the game, shh, Clark. Good evening, Rob, and these are mind games. Uh, they're trying to disturb uh, the players, but we are Kaiser Chiefs who are strong. And I don't blame them for doing that. Kaiser Chiefs has been consistent, have been playing good football. They've got this undying uh, fighting spirit. And Peter Msimane is too much, Rob. You must just shut up and wait for the game on Sunday. You understand what I mean? And for for him saying what he's saying now, he shows that he is scared of Kaiser Chiefs. You understand? So he must just wait for the game. And we will show him what we are actually made of. Israel Koza. In Friday. Evening, Rob. We understand the mind games, but people should be careful because these things filter down to people who are very ignorant. We remember what happened between Sundowns and Pirates when that friend went to and nearly whatever he had something stabbed Rulani Mukwena. I hope on Sunday when Chiefs meet Sundowns, we won't see the similar scenes because of these mind games. 
All right, so caution, caution, caution is what the last uh, caller on the WhatsApp voice notes was saying. Machlatze was also saying consistency, consistency, consistency. That's what we want to see from our referees. For example, this ball to the hand versus handlers ball thing benefits certain clubs and not the both ends. Ace has been patiently with us and we want to thank him for his contribution on the show. An award-winning former PSL referee and analyst is with me on the line. Ace, is it fair for somebody to call for and ask for consistency, as Matlatse Moses is doing on Twitter? No, it's a fair call, Rob. Look, it's a fair call. And we always say when you apply the principle of consistency, it applies for a particular referee in a match that a decision made in minute one given the same set of circumstances must be the same decision given in minute number 90 and a decision uh, made in a match in round one must be the same decision given the same set of circumstances as a match played in round 30. So a demand for consistency is a fair demand. And and I know that uh, that's part of the the lowest variables that referees score on. Uh, and we hope that they can improve, you know, as, as they receive better training as, as they continue with the season. I made mention, Asa, as we're going into news, that Natasha Chiklis, who's the chairperson of the Referees Committee, said, and I quote, that these mistakes are unacceptable and cannot be tolerated, but our job is to assist them, uh, the referees and assistants, uh, during this suspension period and help them get back on track. We are confident that they will come back stronger and do a good job. Now, for those who might have missed it, that the assistant referee, Mervyn van Veik, who officiated during the Amazulu Kaiser Chiefs game, uh, that very infamous 24th of, this, of September match, um, has been sanctioned for four weeks of non-appointment in NSL matches. So quickly just let us know, when they say non-appointment, they mean non-appointment. It's not a case of don't do games in the PSL but go down to the lower leagues. It means you're not active at all. Well, what usually happens, Rob, is that you, you, the, the referee is on the national panel and that means he's eligible to be appointed to both the APSA Premiership and the Glad Africa Championship. Now, when we say non-appointment, it would therefore mean uh, uh, at the level of the panel where he belongs, he will receive no appointments whatsoever. It does not necessarily cover uh, the lower divisions because if you do that, it means you, you have thrown him into the rubbish bin completely. In order to assist him, you've got to uh, uh, groom him back and build his confidence and allow him to handle matches at the lower divisions where he, he can uh, then build his confidence again before you reappoint him for, for uh, national league matches. So uh, I don't think that when a referee is not being appointed, um, in, in the APSA Premiership and the Glad Africa Championship, it means he is necessarily uh, uh, not appointed for the lower division, especially if the decision is to assist him to grow back. But for uh, uh, situations where he is suspended from refereeing due to perhaps misconduct, 
then we can have a situation where the referee cannot be appointed for any football matches in any level. All right. So in the in this example, it's a case of, you know, again, people hammer away at the main man who holds the whistle. But a lot of the time, and especially with the, the Chiefs Amazulu game. It was under the guidance of the assistant referee. And I remember, Ace, you would always hop on the fact that that is why that person is called an assistant referee. He's there to assist the referee. And so it's it's Mervyn van Veek who, who was sanctioned. Uh, it's also the assistant referee, Uatukolo uh, Madela, who officiated in the Chiefs versus Baroque AFC game on the 28th of September. So these two assistant referees will only be eligible to officiate in regional league matches, both men and women that people mustn't lose focus, again, with the fact that the referee might just be taking an instruction from a difficult-to-see angle from his assistant. And if he hasn't seen anything to overrule the assistant, then that decision, he gives the benefit of the doubt to the assistant. I don't know if I got it right. You're spot on, Rob. Let's state this in, in even simpler terms. The law that assistant referees apply the most is law 11, which is the offside law. For all intents and purposes, when it comes to the interpretation and the application of law 11, the assistant referee becomes the boss of the referee. He is the one that makes decisions, and the referee, in most instances, cannot overrule his boss when it comes to Law 11. The only time that the referee will overrule that Law 11 boss is when the Law 11 boss gets it wrong on a matter of law. For instance, uh, the law says there can't be any offside from a throw-in. So if the assistant referee raises his flag to flag for an offside for a player that receives a ball directly from a throw-in, then the referee can overrule him in that particular instance because he's wrong on a point of law. But if it has to do with positioning, with whether or not the player was interfering with play or interfering with an opponent, the assistant referee has the the upper hand in terms of giving the decision. And the referee cannot overrule the assistant referee. So that's why you'll find in these instances, it is the assistant referee that gets suspended and not the referee that was handling the match. Just quickly, Asa, because I know traditionally you, you have supper at half past seven. I don't want to mess up your, your eating habits. The handball scenario. Have we got that right? Because, you know, there would always be constant arguments, especially you and your friend, Neil Tovey. They try to simplify this law, but are we getting it right? I, I don't see it. I, I still see those that are given and those that are not given, but it's a, it's, a, it's a case of a football hitting a hand, but they're still not given. What's going on? I think, Rob, there's been a drastic improvement in that regard this season, uh, ever since there was better clarity uh, from EFAB, uh with effect from the 1st of June 2019. In, in terms of the different variables that are applicable, there's been a drastic uh, improvement in the correct calls being given in the level of consistency. Of course, there are still instances that uh, fall under the, the still existing gray area in terms of 
interpretation by a particular referee at that point in time. But by and large, I've seen a, a huge, huge improvement in consistency, especially when it comes to applying the uh, principle of making your body bigger. There, there have been several in- incidents where uh, the correct calls have been made. Uh, we are not yet uh, at the optimal level where every single referee in every match will give the same decision uh, for similar incidents. But I think the, the percentage has risen drastically. I don't like VAR. Do you? No, Rob, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of VAR. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've stated this on, on many different platforms. I mean, look at what's happening now in the EPL. Uh, you you have uh, a video assistant referee uh, that uh, advises the referee incorrectly. They, they are still human. They are under pressure. They want to make the decision in the shortest space of time because that's what's prescribed. They sometimes don't have all the uh, different angles, they sometimes get it wrong and they give the wrong advice to the referee. I'm not a fan of of VAR. And and the the bigger uh, reason, which I've stated openly before, is that uh, you don't want this universal sport that's accessible to every young child out there as long as they can roll up uh, some some old uh, plastic bags in, in inside a, a cabbage bag and, and form a round thing to kick around to have football uh, for the rich and football for the poor. Because remember, in order for you to have VAR, every single match must be broadcast live. Now, let's just even forget about amateur football and look at uh, the, the the premiership. Mm. Not all the 400 league matches uh, that are played under the APSA premiership are played live. And you can't have VAR unless the match is live. Mm. So we're still a long way before we reach that level. What we could perhaps do is to adopt the system of um, additional assistance, the goal line uh, uh, assistant referees that can also assist in uh, uh, the referee in looking at incidents, particularly uh, uh, tackles and fouls that take place within the penalty area. I, I think for us that the next logical step instead of crying out for VAR. Yeah. I- I'm glad somebody agrees with me, Ace, because, uh, you know, also when it comes to goal line technology, that's the, the only bit of technology I'll, I'll ever vouch for because it's quick, it's instantaneous, a ball crosses the line, a, a vibrator type thing goes off on a referee's wrist and he either gives or doesn't give a goal. Um, no wasting of time. And for me, the long-term pain that I see and foresee with VAR is that football will lose its soul because what I'm seeing right now are, are goals going in, people celebrating, losing their minds, and then they have to go to this uh, VAR. VAR says no goal. And immediately what happens to that emotional high that you are in, it fizzles away, it eats up. It, it, you know, they're just things that were meant for tennis and other sports where you have your Hawkeye and cricket and all sorts of things. But I don't know. I don't think football. Uh, if there's one thing Sir Blatter got right, is allow football to be in its traditional state. Goal line technology, yes. I mean, here in South Africa, we've even struggled to get going the shaving cream or the disappearing cream that uh, everybody uses, you know, but you want to jump to VAR, which, especially in third world countries, 
you're not going to get it right because not everybody's wired up like that. We're still battling. Imagine you have VAR and then you have load shedding. And then what? <laughs> but Rob, you know, I think it's a better pain to start celebrating and then uh, the the decision is changed. Can we imagine when we graduate to the the, the real loss of the football soul where fans for each goal scored must then hold back before they celebrate. Uh, we, we can't celebrate yet. Let's wait for VAR. That, for me, is the most painful loss of soul for football. That's why this thing must be done away with. Perhaps it's, it's uh, very well applicable in, in tournaments like the World Cup, where you were just there for 30 days and we know that each match is live. It's played under uh, a very controlled environment um, in, in a few venues that are, are pre-approved and, and, and that are conducive for the application of that technology. Otherwise, with our situation here, and, and, and remember, if, if South Africa as the most advanced country on the continent uh, is, is not even conducive itself for the application of VAR. What about the other 53 countries on the continent? I'm not a fan of this thing, Rob. Ace, yourself as well as Jerome Damon will one day be in one studio. We'll invite both of you. Let's have a nice, beautiful debate about the pros and cons uh, so that we educate and we allow our listeners who are potentially fans, who are potentially football thugs, and I say this without reservation because people's emotions get wired up and they take it to the field of play and they start doing what they were doing with Vuzelas wanting to hit a referee or wanting to hit a, an assistant coach as he was back then. We don't want those scenes. We want football that is matured, football that is enjoyed, football that is played in front of full houses. That is what we should espouse. But Ace, I want to thank you ever so much uh, for that learned insight that we always do enjoy. Whether you agree or disagree with Ace, it's wonderful. We are here not always to agree, but that's the nature of football. Thank you so much, Ace. Rob, can I just say this in just 30 seconds? That Remember... Uh, that there are two things in football. There's enmity and there's rivalry. Remember, we came from a period where there was deep enmity between Orlando Paris and Kaiser Chiefs fans. And it resulted in some people losing their lives. The work that was done by Udada, Kaiser Mutaung, and Udada Ivan Koza to convert the enmity into proper sporting rivalry Mm-hmm. Is, is something that this country, especially football people, have got to be proud of. I am very scared that some of the utterances that people are making, especially now in building a, a, a rivalry between, in particular, Mamelodi Sundowns and Kaiser Chiefs, that very soon we might cross that line of demarcation between sporting rivalry and enmity. We must be very careful what we say. We don't want to see ugly scenes on our football pitches anymore. Ace Mwabu, thank you so much, Baba. We hope to chat soon. Thank you very, very much indeed. Hi, Rob. I just want to talk about Pito. It's either Pito is in love with Chiefs or he hates Chiefs so much. All it does is comment about, about cheese. What, what does playing against Highlands Park got to do with cheese? Thank you, Rob. Uh, Rob, 
Upizola is just playing mind games. If Ben King and Ora, if Ruai Benga all along before he came here on the case. And I think he's doing it, he's doing this on purpose. We as well, we would see Sundowns is strong. And we Pizzo and Benny are selfish. They just want things to go their way. They must just shut up and play soccer. Thank you, Tabanela Captain. Good evening, Robbie, and good evening to, to the listeners. You see, Rob, I think for me, the, 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 the powerful mind game of the week, man, the mind game of the week was yesterday mind game where Pizzo said before Highlands Park game that Kaiser Chiefs is not a big game. Their big game is Highlands Park. That was, that was, that was, that was, that was super bad game, bro. But I hope it won't backfire to him because when you speak like that, undermining your opponent, you actually uh, pumping the adrenaline from Kaiser Chiefs players to to perform better come Sunday. Thank you very much, Robbie. This is Wiseman in PE. All right, let's uh, quickly squeeze in the call that will take hopefully 30 seconds. John, good evening. How are you, Rob? I'm very strong. You've chowed out 10 seconds. You've got 20 left. <laughs> okay, Rob. I'm a first-time caller, but uh, as a Kaiser Chiefs fan, I wanted to say to all the Kaiser Chiefs fans, congratulations to the management of Kaiser Chiefs for signing all the players that uh, they, uh, uh, they signed this season. Let's compliment that. We've been, we've been complaining about uh, everything we know. My time is short. Thank you. Thank but, you. Message is loud <laughs> and clear. They'll appreciate okay. it. Thank you so much, okay. John. All right, thanks. Catch up tomorrow. All right, tomorrow, of course, um, let, me, let me see if you know. <laughs> let me see if you know who the guest is going to be tomorrow. Our legend tomorrow night, actually Captain Orlando Pirates. He went on to Captain Cape Town Spurs. And because he's a born captain, went on to play again at Supersport United during his playing day. Managing to score his first professional goal back on the 21st of March 1990 when they played against Bushbucks. Hmm, you think you know? Tell me if you think you know. Captain Orlando Pirates, Cape Town Spurs and Supersport United during his playing days. If you think you know, just creep up on Twitter at Robert Marawa, hashtag MSW, hashtag legend. Give me a name. Let's see who will get to win a weekend by themselves. All right, Metro FM, we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Tamin Gubeni is back in the hot seat again at Metro. Metro, see you tomorrow. All right, Justice has been jogging, jogged all the way back from Moy River. Yo, go see him.